The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. We have Eddie Pascal, as always, and Lincoln Kennedy coming up as we get ready to preview the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football. But, Eddie, we have to start with the loss in Chicago. I was there with the team. It was about as tough of a loss as I've seen, especially this year. The Raiders had a great opportunity to get above 500, and they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly. An opportunity squandered, right? You're going into a, a, you know, granted a tough place to play, but you're playing against a backup quarterback. You have all the momentum in the world behind you. You are ready to rock on paper, and we know that it's so hard to do this, so dangerous to do this. On paper, a game the Raiders, I don't know what if you say they should have won, but it should have been a lot more competitive than they were. Yeah, I think they should have won, and I think they should have won going away. They just had better players, but they couldn't get going. They couldn't get the offense going. Uh, the defense played flat out poorly. I think that was the worst played Raider game of the year, and that's unfortunate because in a big spot where they had to win a game against a team that was one in five coming in, their fans, you know, being in the crowd, their fans didn't have much of an expectation. They were there for the weather and cold beer and to have a great day outside. It's a rare Chicago day like that at the end of October, and the Raiders just didn't have much. I didn't think they had the ability, the physicality on defense. Something we'll discuss. On this episode, and the big issue will be how do they find that physicality as they get the extra day heading to Detroit? Yeah, I think that's the most disappointing part, right, is is you looked at the calendar. We talked about this going into the Bears week, an opportunity for the Raiders, and what are they going to do with it? And and candidly, they did nothing with with it, an opportunity squandered. It was the lack of physicality. It was all three phases. I want to kind of, you know— uh, it's unfortunate that we talk about the uh, the special teams and they, we miss field goals, but unfortunately a moment across the board not good enough for the Silver and Black. We're looking at the highlights if you're watching on YouTube and coming right out, uh, they fed Devontae. We knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody knew. Every analyst in the NFL knew that Devontae was going to get some targets. Right here, a slant over the middle, right? Because he's not double teamed that early. I'm going to spend a lot of time on that with Lincoln because I think that's a key there. Carlson missed the field goal which isn't the end of the world. It's very rare for him. And I think the energy came out of the room. I was sitting behind the sidelines, and when he missed that kick, and he missed it by a lot, everybody came back to the bench. And right there, I noticed that, you know, something was missing. I didn't see the juice. And then Tyson Bajan comes out here, and he's playing pitch and catch. He has time in the pocket. And he kind of did whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, going back to Carlson, we've become so spoiled the past couple of years, yeah. JT, where you assume this guy's automatic from 50 and in. And we heard on the broadcast, obviously, dealing with something pregame. Uh, you don't want to speculate on, on kind of his status. But, yeah, I mean, a missed opportunity. And on the road, three points are important. And the Raiders weren't able to get that done. Yeah, on this scramble by Tyson Bajan, I didn't see a lot of hustle to the ball. I didn't see guys sprinting to the ball. And that was concerning. And then they were just able to pound the ball up the middle. We spent last episode talking about Bilal Nichols and the defensive tackles hopefully getting better. I mean, they were manhandled there. They were getting pushed three or four yards deep. And then we'll get to the tackling coming up. The tackling was non-existent. I mean, if you give up 173 yards on the ground, JT, I don't care. Especially on the road, that is hard to win, uh, hard to play winning football that way. Yeah, the interception here as Hoyer goes a little bit early in the read. Not a good ball. To Josh, Josh has got good hands, and once it deflected off him, you saw the Bears get to the ball quickly. I mean, he threw that kind of in between four guys. So I think right there we had to see Hoyer let the play develop. And then what happened the rest of the way with the Bears on the ground and even in the air, you saw a lot of missed tackles. You saw a catch, and then those coming over to try to tackle, and the tackling wasn't to knock someone's backwards. The tackling was to just wrap possibly, and maybe the runner or receiver would go forward another three or four yards, something Patrick Graham is working on. Yeah, I mean, we look back at the game, JT, and it kind of felt like death by a thousand paper cuts, yeah. right? I mean, there was nothing that overly, air quotes, explosive about what the Bears did, but they were just so systematic and chunk, 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 chunk on the ground uh, to the to the uh, tune of 173 yards. Give Bajan credit. He did what he needed to do, but yeah, uh, I think the tail of the tape on the defense for the Raiders, missed tackles, missed opportunities. As we see Jacoby wide open here, and he's a good player. He's yeah. open a lot. Having a great year. I mean, just run that play again just run that play again there was no one three yards near him here and on this play to Michael Mayer on third down Devontae was open by 10 yards 
coming across the middle of the field. And the Raiders are down 14-0. They kicked the field goal here. They had to kick the field goal here. They, 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 it was too long to go for it. But then instead of stopping them on the next drive, and look, Max, Max plays with energy. And right here, Max was trying to get the crowd going. There were a lot of Raider fans there. It's still 14-3. But the Raiders, you know, couldn't get anything going. Josh has a good run here. And when you see Josh running that hard, putting his head down and shoulder down, you're saying, all right, look, he's running hard. He's running really hard. But look at the Bears come up and their linebackers. They tried to take his head off on that play. They were clearly more physical than the Raiders up front. Yeah, I mean, no question about that. I mean, we just look at the highlights, and you can sense the physicality for the Bears' defense. And unfortunately, we didn't see that from the Raiders on the other side of things. Uh, but we talk about the running game again, JT, and now 14 attempts for 39 yards. The Raiders now almost at the halfway point through 2023 have just been not able to get consistency on the ground with Josh. Yeah, it's disappointing that the point of attack uh, was not there and then the linebackers didn't tackle well. And then you were counting on the safeties and the corners to tackle and they seem to be in this game at least from my perspective wanted to punch the ball out more than tackle something Eric Allen brought up with me on Monday and then just here on a little screen pass you know, it's an easy, easy gain, and Epps has to come up here and just stop it. Along the way, I didn't see the pursuit. I didn't see the violent play right here. Marcus Peters, who had a terrible game, Marcus Peters never came up and showed any form of physicality in this game, and I think the Bears noticed it and said, go, hey, go go attack Marcus Peters. He did not come here today to tackle. Let's go right at him, and that can't happen to a great veteran like that. No, I mean, you and I don't want to question effort or preparation or anything like that, but we can say, you know, we look at it clear as day, the intensity. There are two levels of intensity yes. on the field Sunday afternoon in Chicago. We see the Bears swarming to the ball, the body language, the intensity, and unfortunately the Raiders just weren't able to match that, and and bring that for a full 60 minutes. Yeah, Devontae here, this would have been a tough catch. Yeah. It's another one of my pet peeves. A catch he usually makes, though. Yes, but a still a very difficult ball where the ball, you got to be almost perfect. You got to catch it. You have to toe tap. I don't think you need to do that there. I think you can run it inside to have the whole end zone to work with, and Devontae can go low, he can go high, you can hit him in the chest. That, that's a really, again, you nailed it. Devontae catches that, not 9 out of 10, 99 yeah. out of 100 there, but it's still a difficult ball. And, you know, Brian Hoyer's a backup. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, with Devontae, makes that throw and catch against Detroit. You know, kind of a microcosm of the game, though, JT, mm. right? A, a missed opportunity. Yeah. You do what you need to do, get in position to put points on the board. They aren't able to get six there. But, yeah, I mean, we talk about the inconsistencies that we've seen from this offense, and there it is, right? right well, that, that field goal really was the backbreaker because yeah. the Raiders had a chance mathematically to get back into a 24-6 on a 54-yard field goal. Then the pick six here, and all I look at at this point is who's hustling to the ball. Uh, the ball came out. Uh, he looked at him. He stared down Devontae. It was a terribly thrown ball. And then after that, it was just clear sailing for the Bears. And at this moment in the game, Eddie, you know, they make the decision to go to Aiden O'Connell. And the only thing I would say is, you know, we're both baseball guys. Yeah. We both love baseball. I would have gone to Aiden to start the third quarter just for a just for a chance. Yeah. Maybe, hey, you know, the Raiders, and you know this, you know the history of this team well. There's been a lot of quarterback changes in the history of this organization where a spark came. I just think the spark came a little too late for Aiden O'Connell. And I want to make it clear on Raiders Roundtable, I thought the decision was right to start Hoyer. I think he deserved it. Most people thought that Hoyer deserved to start the game. I just thought Aiden O'Connell came in a little bit too late for me. You know, it's not great for our takes, JT, but I agree with you, right? Yeah. I think that Hoyer earned the opportunity to start that game. I think that if this, if the Raiders team was 1-5, I think mm -hmm. if you're in a situation with the Bears, then you go with the kid. But I think that, to your point, hey, Hoyer didn't have the fastball, no pun intended, mm -hmm. uh, on Sunday. You have the natural break of halftime. Hey, let's see what AOC can bring to the table. I think it's the only reason you do it to start the third quarter is it lights a fire under the yeah. whole team. And, and the game is still, it feels like, within reach yeah. at that point. You're, you know, you're on the it ropes was. a little bit, but you feel like you're in it. It's not in reach if you're playing Kansas City down that much or you're playing the Niners, but you're playing the Bears. With a backup quarterback. Five, with yeah. a backup quarterback. Another easy touchdown to Jacoby Myers. And, and Aiden gets the ball out here. It's a bullet. Jacoby makes the play. Every time you throw to this guy in the red zone, for everybody who says, well, Devontae's double teamed, give me a break. Give me a break. That guy's open. That guy, if Devontae is double teamed in the red zone, then Jacoby Myers is not. And every time I look up from the Denver game with the two touchdowns to what he just did there, he is a weapon in the red zone. And as Jimmy's coming back, they got to get to him. Eddie, what jumps out is third down, two and nine, and 39 yards rushing. So yeah. 
my opinion before Lincoln comes up. And look at the penalties. Yeah. Raiders only had two penalties in that game. You've got to be kidding me. The Bears had nine. The running game is broken. It's broken. And let's acknowledge it. It's not the end of the world. We have the rushing leader in the building of last year. Go there and fix it. It's clearly you're not going to win a game if you have 39 yards rushing and you abandon the rush. So fix it this week with the entire unit. Give them some motivation. Give them some coaching. And get that running game going because this is still an elite offense on paper. On paper with all the weapons. I think you would agree. we got to get the weapons going. Yeah, and I think the the big part of that too, JT, is you talk about having Josh Jacobs Mm. there and all the talent in the world, all these offensive weapons. We have seen now through almost a season and a half of Josh McDaniel's offense, this offense needs to have the run game to be at its best, right? And I think you can say that about most NFL offenses, but the Raiders offense in particular, the moments of magic, the moments of explosiveness, the moments of, yes, this is how it's supposed to look, is all predicated on getting the run game going. Well, the run game, Lincoln's going to join us in a little bit. The run game, Lincoln always says, is an attitude. Yeah. It's an attitude. And the Bears recently, and when they had Khalil Mack and some of the players that they have, you know, Roquan Smith, the names that they've had over the last 10 years, very similar to Baltimore. Baltimore's offense can sputter. The Bears haven't had a good offense in a while, but they win games on defense. And the Chicago Bears beat the Las Vegas Raiders because their defensive intensity was off the charts. They had a quarterback who's never started, a D2 kid in Bajan, and he did what he was supposed to do. When no one was open, he kind of extended the play, leaked out of the pocket. No one could get to him. He dumped it down. Guys wouldn't get tackled. They get an extra four yards, and next thing you know, it's third down. Now it's first down. And the Raiders are on the bench. You lose the time of possession battle. And as Coach McDaniels always says, the game gets away from you quickly. This game got away from the Raiders quickly, and they were chasing again, Eddie. You know, I think that there's certain things that you can get away with playing at home when you have your fans behind you, mm. the, the, com- you know, the, the comfy uh, confines yeah. of Elysian Stadium. You can't do certain things on the road. On the road, you have to bring the attitude. You have to bring that juice. And unfortunately, the Raiders from jump were not able to bring that juice. And, you know, we, we look at the offensive playmakers on this team, but we look at the defensive side of the ball and the playmakers on that side of the football. It can't just be Max, right? We know what we're going to get from Max Crosby week in and week out for 60 minutes. Mm. We know 1,000% what he is going to do, the juice yeah. he's going to bring. It has to be the, the other 11 guys, or excuse me, 10 other guys with him, and they have to collectively bring that intensity. Max, they have to raised to Max's level right now. You nailed it. You cannot play with that type of effort in a professional football game. You can't. So everybody's got to get judged. Everyone's got to look at the tape and get ready for Detroit. And I'm one of the guys in this town not scared of Detroit. I've been around long enough where Detroit is not a team that puts fear in my heart, but they're a better team on paper than the Raiders, and the Raiders could change the script, the narrative, if they play a really good game on Monday Night Football. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy will join us, and he called the game with Jason Horowitz. What did he see from the booth when we continue on Raiders Roundtable? Like, can we explain the lack of going away? They go away from him in these gaps in in using him. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And as I sit up here, it's frustrating because when we talk an offense and we're talking about one of the greatest minds to ever really coach in this game, in Josh McDaniels, the way he uses his receivers, and really every receiver that has been in his offense has balled out. When you go back to the West Welkers, the Brandon Marshalls in Denver, whoever they they all have balled out. So. Just the, way he, just the way Devontae is being used right now, to see all those targets in the first quarter, then zero in the, in the, in the second quarter. I'm not saying throw it to him every single play. Yeah. Yeah. But we have to find a ways to get him the ball and get explosive plays from him. And we're not doing that right now. We're really not doing that with, with, with all of our wide receivers. And Josh, Josh hit it right on, right on the nose when he was talking after the game, and I know we'll play it later in the show, but – it's zero consistency in all phases of the football team. Yeah. Special teams, defense, offense, it's just inconsistency. We look great at times, like, oh, we, Devontae, Jacoby, everybody's cooking, defense is cooking, and then at times we look like we don't know what we're doing. That's from Raiders Game Day. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union, JT, along with Eddie Pascal. Now we get a chance to bring in the Pro Bowl of the great Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln, 
Great to see you. I'll jump right in. When I interviewed you on the pregame show in the booth and you and I were there, all looked good. The weather was perfect. The Raiders had, I don't know how many pregame passes. i never seen that many on the road. It was like 400 people. Mark Davis, everyone in the organization smiling because the Aces, want, you know, all, everything was going great at that moment. What happened? <laughs> well, the, the Raiders as a team forgot to show up, guys. I mean, it's just that simple. Look, w- when we went into Sunday, we we had the same sort of feeling that the Raiders on the roster side were top for bottom, top to bottom, were better than the Bears. The Bears are building for the future. They've got, you know, a bunch of draft capital, if you will, um, already piled up. They're building for the future. So I thought, you know, you're starting a Division II quarterback that's never started again. I thought in all the injuries they had, I'm talking about the Bears, I thought the Raiders would, would, would really open up this game plan and run away with this game early. Didn't happen. And the main reason it didn't happen is, let's just face it, guys, it comes out to attitude. I've said before, this game is 90% mental, 10% physical. All the guys that are out there on those football fields on both teams deserve to be there physically. They've shown in the past why they should be there. It's when you get up to game time, how the inconsistencies flow. And just like Josh McDaniel said in his press conference, there's inconsistencies across the board. And it's and to me, look, it starts at the top, starts at coaching, and goes all the way down to the team. Coaches coach, players play. Though There were a number of players that didn't show up on Sunday and playing the Chicago Bears, in my opinion, guys. You know, like we heard from James Jones on the way back in about how Devontae was used so uh, regularly in that first quarter. And then after for the remainder of the game, and we look at Devontae in the first quarter, 48 yards, the rest of the game, nine. Link, from your perspective up in the booth, what was the Chicago defense doing to take him away after that first 15 minutes? Just like most of the other teams did. I mean, once they figured out your game plan, they made adjustments. They started playing tighter on Devontae and having a safety cover over the top because they still don't feel that there's a deep threat. And the pick six was a classic example from the Bears of why you have to make adjustments. You can't keep going to the well the same time and think you're going to have the same turnouts. The the success that Devontae had in the first half, those quick outs, those timing routes, him and Jacoby Myers, both that that was turned against them because the Bears came back and said, look, if this is what you're going to do, we're going to step on those routes. We're going to challenge you to go deep. And really, you you haven't had a chance. You haven't seen those shots. We need to see more shots deep to keep those safeties honest, to keep those corners honest. It's just not enough creativity, in my opinion, guys, towards the passing game. One of the things I said, Lincoln, is some players in sports, Kareem had the sky hook. It was unguardable. You couldn't guard it. If he missed it, he missed it, but you couldn't guard it. Devontae on the down and in or the slant, is absolutely unguardable because the safety isn't there. The safety's over the top. So I'd like you to elaborate more on that because we showed a B-roll of him catching a slant early, caught it three yards, cut up field for 11 or 12, unguardable, in between the linebacker, in between the corner, and then we don't see it again. And, And we catch his touchdowns at the goal line. They run that slant. It's unguardable. I don't know how you find something that works and you know it's unguardable and then you get away from it. You want him to do toe taps and you want him to go over his shoulder and make these plays. There are some easy passes to get Devontae going even when there's adjustments. Yes, but the problem is like we'll we'll talk about the two routes that you mentioned. We'll talk about the slant first. First and foremost, a slant is ineffective when you don't have a running game because there's a linebacker sitting right there. Can't throw the slant. If he doesn't respect the running game or doesn't appreciate the running game, you can't throw the slant. And the second the second part of that is that even off of, off of play action, if play action isn't working, that slant's probably not going to be there. So more times than not, you don't want to use your star receiver up on a slant unless you know he can get there. The deep end, I'm going to take you back to the, to the game. I know you guys watched the Monday night game between the Vikings and the 49ers. The reason why the four, the Vikings got that end-of-the-game interception is they're playing what you're seeing, what I'm seeing a lot around the league, that two-safety look where there's one safety who's protecting the deep ball, there's another safety who's protecting those deep dig routes, those deep in routes, and that's exactly how Minnesota got an interception. And that's what you're going to see mm-hmm. against defenses. Until you, until you threaten that you can go deep or show that you're going to go deep, those safeties aren't going to respect it. They're going to play up. They're going, they know that you like those deep ends between Jacoby Myers and Devontae Adams. So they know that they're going to sit on those routes. There's a, I've only seen, for the most part, guys, this season, three routes that Devontae has ran. He's either ran a back shoulder throw, 50-50 ball, deep dig, which he almost got his head caught, uh, taken off a couple times, and the slant, which is very few minimal times because you don't have a running game. There has to be more elaboratism, creativity towards that, that passing game. And what I would like to see them do more are crossing routes. The only problem with that, 
Crossing routes take time. And take time, you have to have offensive line protection. They haven't had that. So there's 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 a number of things that I've seen teams do when they're trying to protect their quarterback and also get a passing game. And I think the Raiders need to probably try to take on some of those things, check and slip out to the flat, slip out to the hook route, take those quick check downs because everybody's backing up. Those are things that they can do to get yards just to matriculate themselves down the field. You know, Ling, JT and I were talking about that. We're both in agreement that Brian Hoyer should have been the guy on Sunday afternoon. Yes. Gave the Raiders the best opportunity going in to that game at Soldier Field to come away with the W. Obviously, doesn't go the way that he or Josh McDaniels or this entire Raiders offense wanted. We see Aiden O'Connell at the end of the game. Unfortunately, at that point, game's kind of out of reach. What did you see from the, uh, from the young rookie and his limited action, Link? Well, it's limited action. It's really hard to assess, Eddie. The thing is, is that going forward, what we're going to have to pay attention to is Aiden's internal clock his mental clock when he's back there passing the ball is he ready to get rid of the football is he up on pre-snap reads the thing that jimmy garoppolo and brian hoyer have over him is that he they have the experience in the national football league they feel more comfortable with pre-snap reads this offense is all about pre-snap reads it's about the set it's about the quarterback knowing where the safeties are it's about the quarterback knowing how the corners are playing their receivers whether it's outside uh, in coverage or inside out coverage it's those things so you know where to get rid of the football Garoppolo had happy feet in the last game because he was worried about the rush. I know it to be true. I'm sure the same thing could be said about Hoyer, even though he's not as, as fleet-footed as Garoppolo. But as far as Aiden O'Connell is going, I think the future looks bright for the young man. You just have to get him more reps. And I'm like you guys. I felt that Brian Hoyer was the best move for the Raiders going forward because they were in the thick of things, of being at 500 at the time. I still say the same thing for Detroit. Detroit's a far better team than, than the Chicago Bears. And if they if you go to Detroit with the mentality that you're going to be able to hold on to football or not have some more creativity towards your offense, then we're going to get our, belt, our butts kicked again. You know, Lincoln, Josh McDaniel's offense in the past was predicated – on throwing it to the wide-open guy. I hate to make it that simple. Everyone says Brady, Brady, Brady. No. Brady threw to the guy who was wide open because Brady made the checks at the line of scrimmage. He was so locked in with Josh McDaniels that they just knew, if you got this coverage, get off of that, go to Gronk. If Gronk's doubled, you're going to go to Welker. And we're going to run it. Or we're going to do that. And they were perfect, literally perfect. And, of course, Brady made Josh McDaniels look better. But he called all those plays. I'm wondering now, you played with Rich Gannon. I, I remember Rich in those days in Oakland getting to the line of scrimmage. There was so much pointing and communication, Barrett Robbins talking to you, changing the plays, and then boom, Rich would pump fake. Remember, Rich would come, and he'd do this unbelievable pump fake hard, and the safeties would move, and then boom, he'd come back and someone's wide open. I don't see the communication, the talking. You talked about it, pointing, okay, this and that, and then – Throw a pump fake or a head fake to someone who's open. When is that going to start showing itself, Lincoln? When you have more confidence in your pre-staff reads. I mean, I think the, the I think it's there for, for Garoppolo. I think he knows the offense well enough. But I also think that it comes down to protection. The fact is, is that if you do a three-step drop, for example, JT, you've got to get rid of the ball right now. The moment you get the snap, boom, 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 ball's out your hand. That's what it's got to do. The reason why this particular offense has been so successful in the past is because you've had a notable slot receiver. You've had a notable tight end. More importantly, you've had a quarterback who had the pre-snap reads who knew where how to get rid of the football. We haven't, we haven't advanced to that before. You know, let's face it. You know, Hunter Renfro is virtually a no-show. We don't really throw out of the slot. Even if you were to take Devontae Adams like he was in Green Bay mm -hmm. and put him in the slot, and put him surrounded by the receivers gives him a better opportunity of getting open or having him move in motion has a better opportunity getting getting him open in places. So to answer your point, JT, yeah, throw to the wide receiver is obvious, and you would certainly like that. But I think the 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 complications come in the fact that the offensive line has been inconsistent. You don't feel that you have enough time. And for those those pump fakes that you're referring to for Rich Gannon, you know, we gave him enough time and he yeah. could take the strike on the long the long ball. He even uh, that's a version of play action. The pump fake is a version of play action. But you've got to take your shots downfield. What, the Raiders have only done it, what, three times this season? Three, four times, if I'm not mistaken? Taking a shot over 20 yards? It, you don't threaten it. Why would defensive coordinators uh, uh, you know, respect it? You know, shifting to the other side of the ball, Link, the Raiders' defense comes back to earth in a pretty major way in Chicago. We were, JT and I were talking about the numbers. Uh, the rush defense, tough. Tough day at the office for them. 173 yards on the ground for the Bears. But it was the tackling, and it's something that we talked about coming into this, Link. It was the tackling, the lack of intensity. We're now about halfway through the regular season. How do you try to go about and remedy some of these fundamental type things as the Raiders go into Monday night? 
make changes, put other people in there. It's that simple. I mean, look, when last year when the Raiders went to Alex Barr, for example, to play guard, they did it not because they were trying to send a message to the guards that were playing behind them that weren't playing well, all the guys that were on the roster. Alex Barr, to me, was a decent player, solid at best, but no way is he considered a starter in the National Football League, in my opinion. Okay, so, you know, they 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 put up with that and they still found a way to have the NFL's rushing champion. Um, the, the thing about it is that you have to find a way to bring out the intensity of these guys. They're professionals, so it, it should be saying without saying. But last week's effort was a flat performance, pale performance. And, and right now, Eddie and JT, I don't know. If the defense that Patrick Graham is playing to stop the run is going to be good enough, because let's face it, when you have your defensive front, all your defensive linemen, they had five defensive linemen against five offensive linemen for the Bears. They still couldn't get any penetration. They still couldn't win the one-on-one matchups. And it's still the Bears still average almost six yards of carry. Yeah, the most frustrating thing for me before we get to Detroit is what happened in the middle of the field with the Raiders' tackles. We had a signature play to close out the Patriots, a safety sack. You can't ask for anything more for your defense to look at on tape, go out to dinner, have that moment with each other, the camaraderie, look at this play, look at how good we are. This is what we can do, and now we're showing lowlights of no one there. I mean, literally, how many tackles did the safeties have to make? Because the corners couldn't make them, and especially the interior line. Diablo went out, Lincoln, as we know, and they're not that strong at linebacker, but Spillane's had a couple of strong games. I want to follow up on your point. What do you do? I mean, you, you want to bench some guys. The whole talk around this town is Marcus Peters. The Fox broadcast pointed him out. We know what he's getting in this building. He's got to be getting some heat because every fan's calling me saying, why, why won't he tackle? Where you got to make a decision if you're going to bench someone. And do you have someone better? If Nate Hobbs is not available and Jacorian Bennett's not playing, uh, who are you going to go to? Are you going to be? You want to win the game. So when do we get to the point if someone's not doing their job, they get benched for someone else on the practice squad who might be able to do it better? Well, that's that's kind of a loaded question, JT. Because the thing is that you can't necessarily rely on the practice squad or the free agent market to find those capable players. The problem a lot of times I've felt when you go heavy in the free agency or you involve free agents is that it's going to be up to them whether or not they want to play a lot, a play or not. Most of the time, these guys just want to take the money. Maybe they're at the end of the career. I'm not saying that's the case for Marcus Peters, but I have seen an abysmal, abysmal performance uh, from over the last couple of games. And I've left my hat scratching like, dude, what's going on with him? Uh, I thought he might want to be here, but you can't. You know, it's un it's unfortunate, JT and Eddie, but you really cannot motivate a player to play in this on this division. Other times you had you have the luxury of having depth. You have the luxury of releasing a guy. You don't have necessarily that luxury now. And there are players I've been around in locker rooms that think they're they're above the law. They they can do what they want when they want. That's really uh, that's a real bad you know sort of toxicity that can pass around a locker room. But to answer your question. That that goes back to attitude. It's it, to me, and I kind of equate it like bl the run blocking. If I'm up front and I know that I want to run the football, I'm going to push the guy that I'm uh, I'm responsible with out of the way mm -hmm. because I'm going to go back and say, "Look, you saw me. We, we ran the football, right? And we got him blocked. That's the way it happens." The same thing goes with tackling. Tackling is a matter of attitude. It's got to. You don't want your safeties being your leading tacklers on the football field. You understand that. You would much rather have it be your linebackers or your defensive line. But the Raiders haven't had that luxury in quite some time. You know, like I know each guy is, is so unique and it, it kind of has to be a case by case, ba case by case basis. But when you look at veterans in a locker room, how much coachability is, is there in terms of what these guys are receptive to, what they're willing to hear? Because, you know, we hear about guys like Max, who are the, the ultimate coachable guy who's accomplished so many things in this league but wants to get better. In, in your opinion, Link, are guys who have been in the league for a minute, who have succeeded, who have accomplished some really good things, do they remain coachable those latter years of their career? Depends on the coach, to be honest with mm -hmm. you, Eddie. I've had coaches that said stuff to me that I just looked at them crazy, like that doesn't even make sense, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. I've also had coaches that taught me stuff, and really I could, I felt that I was learning something every time I heard them speak or coach up a point. So to your point, Eddie, it depends on the coach, and it depends on the individual. I honestly believe coaching on the National Football League the level is over I mean, is overrated in the sense where guys are set in their ways on how they're going to play. It's up to a coach in the National Football League to find a system or a, a number of plays that can I can take a best advantage of what this guy does best. 
and how he does it best. And okay, now let's see if I can make it a team effort, take advantage of what they can do best. If it comes a receiver, hey, maybe he runs a post route like nobody else. I've got to find a way to get him to run those post routes and get open and get him a football, those types of things. But when it comes to things like tackling, I know every team kind of practices their little version of tackling these days without going live. I get it. But it's all about attitude, mental attitude. How bad do you want this? That's something that you can't coach. That has to come from within, that inner drive. And if you're not getting that by the end of the season, you're not seeing that out of that player, that's when you have to cut them loose. All right, guys, let's look ahead to Detroit. And both teams were humbled. All week long on radio, people were saying, well, what happened to Detroit? And Detroit, the Raiders were humbled just as much as Detroit. The Raiders were actually in the game more than Detroit. The first three series, Lamar Jackson scored, and Detroit went three and out. The game was over in the first quarter. They had no chance, and they got blocked and pushed around, and Dan Campbell is more of a rah-rah guy with the media than Josh McDaniels, and he's going to get them all fired up. We know that. But, Lincoln, Detroit did not look good, and I would rather play this Detroit team that got dominated than a Detroit team that beat Baltimore by 30. Okay, they put it on tape. So when you played in your career and you saw a really good team that you were playing next on tape, play so poorly did that energize you saying hey we can do that we can beat that team that looks better than us or did you say man that's a wounded animal man they're gonna come in fired up even more that's the attitude I think you need to take. I think you need to take the attitude that they're a wounded, wounded animal and they're going to play very hard. You've got to match that intensity. The, the fact is, and you guys already hit on it, you need someone else on defense than number 98. It, it has to be someone else. Someone else has to rise to the occasion and get these guys fired up and get these guys amped up. If an ass whooping doesn't do it to you, then I don't know what will, <laughs> to be honest with you guys. Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is that back in my day, when uh, I, I took every opponent the same because it was inbred in me at a very early age in college, Coach John, Don James used to talk up every opponent. Didn't matter the win-loss. Every opponent was a gangbuster. Every opponent was going to be the David to your Goliath. And every opponent that we played, no matter the record, was going to try to beat the snot out of you. And that's the attitude the Raiders need to take. Look, they've got 10 games left. And I'm not saying throw up the panic flag. I'm not saying surrender at all. You know, watch the season away. They still have a chance. But they have to learn how to win. And they have to learn how to win against good teams. The Bears weren't a good team. For them to take a loss against the Bears was disheartening. They got to learn to show me that they're going to have to bounce back. You're going to have to travel to Detroit, play on Ford Field, play on national TV. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that the guys that are on the active roster when it comes game day, Raider-wise, rise up to the occasion and really showcase their talents and play like they've got a pair rather than going out, just going out like they did. You know, Link, I'm glad you brought up the fact that this game is on Monday Night Football. The Raiders get an extra day of rest and rest, and, excuse me, an extra day of preparation going against a really good Lions team, certainly a Lions team that didn't have their best, uh, their best stuff last week. But in a, from a player's perspective, Link, do you like having this extra day after a really tough game on Sunday? Or do you say, hey, I want to get right back at it. It's Sunday, 1 o'clock, and, and we got to be ready to rock. No, your body is is used to recovery, a co- recovering amount, a certain amount of days. So, you know, it's it's going to be a long weekend if you have to play on Monday night. The reason is you're watching Thursday night football, you're watching Friday night lights wherever wherever you are. Saturday, all day Sunday, then you have all day Monday. You have to wait to. It's a long week. Trust me when I tell you mm-hmm. when you have to play on Monday night. It's something that you're looking forward. The reward is the fact that you're playing in front of a sold out audience. Everybody in the world is going to be watching. You have the chance to showcase your talents. This is where you. Get get those Pro Bowl votes like Chester McLaughlin used to tell me, may you rest in peace. Um, but, you know, this is this is a, a stage where the Raiders can really bounce back and show a good effort. Same thing for the Detroit Lions. After being embarrassed, look, Campbell's got these guys thinking, Coach Campbell's got these guys thinking that they're ready to make a Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. I think Detroit is a capable uh, playoff ca- caliber team, can maybe win a game or two in the, in the playoffs. I'm not ready to anoint them Super Bowl champs or say they're on the way, but I think they're a good football team, and they're solid on both sides of the ball. So the Raiders, this is a good test for the Raiders. It really is. Yeah, it's a great test. And again, Detroit hasn't been good for the majority of our life of our life, Lincoln's entire career. Even when Barry Sanders was great, they weren't yeah. very good. They don't win a lot. And how do they have the right to be better than the Raiders when the Raiders were better than them two years ago? I mean, they haven't gone leaps and bounds, I would hope, with a team that has Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. You go player for player here. The Raiders got players who can stand up and start on that Detroit roster. Detroit's just got more depth, and they're playing better. We're going to go and have a discussion now, Lincoln, with the – NFL trade deadline, and I think this is a really big deal. 
I'm wondering from your perspective on the players that we could potentially bring in. Because I think Dave likes draft picks. And I think he wants to stockpile picks because of this upcoming draft. So if he gets an extra sixth or a fifth, he can use that. He just showed us that. Last year, he can do it. He can package picks and go up. But, Lincoln, what happens if there's a right tackle available that's on the market that's better than the right tackles we have here? Why wait for the draft and free agency next year? Maybe go get them now. Well, I mean, good question, uh, JT. I would say this. I don't know of all the potential guys who are mm-hmm. available and at the at positions, but to your point, if there was a right tackle available, let's say that you were you were salivating or thought, thought, thought you could add value to the team, who do you trade for him? How much are you willing to mm-hmm. give up for him? You know what I mean? What are teams asking? I know a lot of teams around the National Football League know that the Raiders are desperate desperate for wins. If you're Josh McDaniels with all the the, the, the the banter and fodder that are going around by possibly him being on his way out, you're trying to turn things around. And there are holes on this team. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. There are holes on this team. This team does not have as much depth as we would like at pretty much any position uh, uh, on the football team. However, how much are you going to have to give up to get that player? That's the thing. And then to your point, most general managers, JT, are building draft off. I mean, building commodities off a of draft. Yes. That's their capital. They're using draft picks as their capital. And it's, it's a thing you're right to do. But as at the same point, you have to make that hard decision. Like, who am I getting rid of? Who am I prepared to trade? Because, you know, that team wants uh, wants something. And what am I having to give up? You don't want to give up your first round pick because they're definitely going to need it uh, or your second round picks. More times than not, we've seen this team sort of make a a way for itself with its fourth and fifth round picks and on and third and some of the third round picks. They need all the help they can get. You know, like I'm with you where the the price has to be right. There has to be that kind of delicate balance of what are we giving away to what are we having come back here in this building? But hypothetically, if we live in this world, the Raiders do make a move for player X, let's say. What are the realistic expectations that, that you can have trying to integrate a guy into your system, whether that's offense or defense, midway through the NFL season? Well, you're hoping that the guy can come in and have an immediate impact or at least plug the hole in what you traded for. I mean, you're not drafting because you've got a ton of capital. I'm not, I'm not going out there necessarily trying to draft another receiver. I've got receivers. I'm not trying to draft tight ends. I've got tight ends. I do need a right tackle. I need a right guard. You know, I need other players on the defensive side. But if, if I have to, if the price is too high to give up, Eddie, it's not worth it. Yeah, CBS.com put up a bunch of veterans on the trade block that we'll show here. And, and Kirk Cousins is one of them, but they just won. Uh, Chase Young from Washington. Leonard Williams of the Giants really jumps out at me. You want to talk about a void here. Mm-hmm. That, that could clean up a big void, but he'll be expensive. I don't think the Raiders need Adam Thielen and Jerry Judy. They're not, they're not looking for that. they got plenty of receivers here, and they might move Hunter Renfro for obvious reasons. And I can promise you, Trent Brown's not coming here. I can promise you that. So with the names that are out there, it's, it's slim pickings here. We're not going to get Derrick Henry. But these are guys that could be available because, as Eddie and I were talking, there's buyers and sellers. And if you look at baseball and the NBA, I love the trade deadline as a sports talk radio host. Man, it's great. It gives you a couple of days to just say, hey, this is what you can do. It doesn't happen much in football because in football, the guaranteed money is already paid. The signing bonus is already paid. Basically, a Russell Wilson is going to have the biggest dead cap hit in the history of the league. You can't go and make moves like that. So basically you're trading guys for a six-round pick or a fifth-round pick or you're trying to move people out of your locker room because you're losing and they're going to be a cancer, and that doesn't seem to be the case here. But with other teams out there, I just think if Dave Ziegler sees one, one player that he says, I'm going to have on my roster for two more years. I'm going to get him in here. I'm going to trade for him. I'm going to get him in our culture, and then I'm going to give him an extension, and we're going to have that player. I hope he looks at that. If not... I don't think they're going to clean house here, Lincoln, but go get some draft picks and play with the guys you got. Yeah, I think you're, I think that's the case. The latter is for, mm-hmm. for this team, JT, is play with the guys you have. The fact of the matter is that if you bring in a guy, he's got to get acclimated to your system, the way you're calling plays and everything else. Not to say it can't happen, but I just think at this particular time, with uh, being close to the trade deadline, if you try to make a play now, if I pick up, if I'm a general manager from any other team and I pick up a call from the Raiders, I know you're desperate. You're three and four. You did, have not scored over 20 points, or offensively have not scored over 20 points. You got over 20 points at the behest of a safety. So I know that you're desperate. So I'm going to ask for the cats me out. I'm going to ask for everything as a general manager, as much as I think I possibly can get and make it reasonable. If I feel that I'm going to lose this player, that you're 
you're, you're inquiring about, but more importantly, what can I gain on the other end? We're going to save the best for last Rose Bowl Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. Incredible. You know, I go back to Jim Plunkett, who won the Rose Bowl MVP. I've been to the Rose Bowl. I've seen their Wall of Fame, if you haven't seen it, and their MVPs and all the great players. Oh, there he is. Look at that. Lincoln, I know how you played in college. Tell me how you got the news. Was it a phone call? Did someone come in with a camera? And how big of an honor is this, not only for you, but your family? Well, I mean, it's a tremendous honor, first of all. And thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm humbled. You know, the Rose Bowl is regarded as the granddaddy of them all. And and it's one that's been around. It's the oldest bowl game. And I've had the privilege of playing in three. I wouldn't have been able to get there if it wasn't for my coaches and my teammates. But it's just an incredible honor when you think about the history. You guys know I'm big on history. I'm a history buff. And I'm, I'm huge on that. So when you talk about the conference, the collection of the conference of the Pac-12 and what's happening in the world of college sports with that, the history that's going away, to be forever enshrined in the remembrance of a, such a great tradition, a great to history is a tremendous honor but i got i got a phone call and mm-hmm. I, I i sat down on my couch and i was blown away I, I couldn't believe that i was a part of something as big as this so it's it's a great honor and i'm very humbled pac-12 legend lincoln kennedy baby that's right conference of champions link that's right that's right that guy wow. lincoln kennedy owes me some money so yeah. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> you know what pretty soon when i think of that game for our viewers and listeners back east They'd wait around all day for the Rose Bowl. And then you'd see the flyover, right? And oh, you'd see yeah. the parade. And just incredible. And I lived in L.A. for 10 years. And when I took my kids, and we would sit there and tell them about the history of the game. But for you, give me a memory. Give me one that you just remember a moment of looking up and seeing how enormous that bowl is, how big the mountains behind, the, the bus ride into the game. Why were you at your best playing in that game? Well, Pasadena is definitely picturesque. It's one of the highlights of Los Angeles. I would say this, that Don James got us prepared to play in the Rose Bowl by saying that, you know, what our responsibility, what we wanted to do, the the goal that we were trying to achieve every year was to win the the conference, the Pac-10 at the time, and go to the Rose Bowl, represent. That, back in the day before the playoff, met the Big Big Ten champion Mm. versus the Pac-10 champion. And, you know, it kind of revolved around that. So it was a tremendous honor. I had the privilege of playing all of my Christmas holidays in Los Angeles. The first one was in the Freedom Bowl when we played against Florida and the Emmett Smith and beat them in in Anaheim. And then the last three were Rose Bowls. And it was was just – it was – a great memory. My greatest memory, I would say, was the first Rose Bowl we played against Iowa, and the very first play I think that we called. Uh, it was it was early in the game. If it wasn't the first play, was a counter trail, and I pulled from the. I was on the right side. I pulled from the right over to left, and I just pancaked the linebacker. <laughs> And Darius Turner was a, a running back who ran the ball, who got some big yards, jumped up and was yelling. He was like, yeah, did you see that run? I said, yeah, Darius, you see that hit? That linebacker's on his ass. That's what I did for you, bro. I mean, so it was times like that that are off the reward. But, you know, going back to JT and Eddie, it's just a tremendous honor. I'm, I've got Rosewell paraphernalia here uh, mm-hmm. hanging up in my office. I'm looking at one of the things right now. And that roster, I told everybody that 1991 roster, when we uh, won um, the national championship, a share of it, I told everyone, I said, I don't think we really knew how good we were, but we were tired of hearing other people tell tell us how good they are. So we want to go out and show them. And that's what we did. Well, Lincoln, congratulations again. We'll see you soon. Unbelievable segment, as always, on Raiders Roundtable. And enjoy that great, great accomplishment. See you next week. Thank you, guys. Take care. How about that? How about that? That's great. I mean, I give Link a hard time for going to UW all the time, but I'm a Pac-12 guy or Pac-10 or Pac-8, Pac-whatever guy. Uh, And seeing Link get this honor very well deserved. You talk about the Rose Bowl, and I tell anyone who will listen, I've been to two of them, just an incredible place to go enjoy a a game, to enjoy an atmosphere. Nothing better. And Lincoln, last thing, is going to be one of the few, and I mean very few, athletes accomplished at that level, Pro Bowls, played in the Super Bowl, Rose Bowl Hall of Fame that's going to have a lot of big awards coming in his future as a broadcaster. Yeah. And that's rare to do. You saw Kirk Herbstreet there. Uh, that's also a, a former player and, and a broadcaster. Lincoln hangs at that level of the rafters as a broadcaster. We're lucky to have him here with us Agreed. every week. When we come back, we'll look ahead. Again, Detroit, and then what happens when the Raiders come home? Big opportunity for the Raiders to stack wins, but maybe they could stack the first one in the Motor City of Detroit. We'll get to that next. (music) 
Thanks for staying with us on Raiders Roundtable, brought to you by America First Credit Union again, the Rose Bowl Hall of Famer Lincoln Kennedy, and now it's back to Eddie and I, and we take a look at the schedule and what's going to happen here and a couple of the opponents coming up here. We're going to begin uh, first with Green Bay and Denver and Denver won. I have a sneaky suspicion, not that Denver's back, mm-hmm. but Denver's figuring it out. Yeah, and and I, they're starting to figure it out with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, and an ugly win, but a win that they had to have. And you and I were talking about it. You know, both of us believe in what Russ uh, mm-hmm. Russ can do as a sure. quarterback in this league. You look at his history, and, and to your point, I'm not going to say they're fully back, they're this, they're that, but it feels like to your point, they are figuring it out that they are going to round into form. And as we go the second half of this year, they're going to be a tough out for a lot of teams. Yeah, they dug a huge hole, yeah. and they're not going to get out of it to make the playoffs. I don't believe. But what they're going to do is they're going to win games. They're going to win some games here because they have. Have a good roster. To me, they're very similar to the Raiders. They got good players, but a lot of holes. They got good players and some stars all around there. You know, for Jordan Love, Jordan Love threw one of the worst interceptions of the entire season later on here because all they needed was a field goal to win the game, and he went for the jugular and tried to win the game. You, yeah. you can't do that. I mean, that's something Brett Favre was able to do for that organization and Aaron Rodgers. You can't do that if you're Jordan Love. So I think Jordan Love losing that game with a bad decision, that could have been basically all the dirt on the coffin here because that pass was absolutely reckless and brutal. And I think Green Bay, with a run, a play action, could have got the field goal range and won that game with a kick. I mean, with all due respect to Jordan Love, he ain't Brett Favre, right? No, Brett Favre ain't walking no. through that door. And I think that part of that too, JT, young quarterback, a guy who doesn't have a ton of NFL experience under his belt, uh, you would hope if you're a Packers fan that it's a learning moment for him. But yeah, I mean, to your point, they're starting to dig themselves a hole too. As predicted in the studio, I told you that, and I said it, I thought the Chargers would lose on Monday night and Sunday. Mm-hmm. They played two superior teams. They played the Cowboys and the Chiefs. And they couldn't get it done. And that, um, Justin Herbert, I'm a big, big believer on how good he is. And he's starting to lose games. Used to be, oh, well, this guy's hurt. This Derwin James isn't there. Keenan Allen's hurt. No. Now it's on Justin Herbert, who's thrown interceptions, is not playing at his level. There's a lot of heat in Los Angeles coming down on Justin Herbert for this game and a game that they could have won. They were playing toe-to-toe with Kansas City until Kansas City just stepped on the gas and put them away. I mean, if you're Justin Herbert, you get paid like the big dog. There's yes. big dog expectations attached to that, right? And and I think you bring up a great point where, you know, there were a lot of, I don't want to say baked-in excuses, whether they were real or illegitimate, but there were a lot of excuses for why the Chargers weren't able to do X, Y, and Z. Now it's to the point of, like, you have a premier quarterback in the NFL. You have to go win these games, these games on the road, at Arrowhead, you're going toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the NFL. When are you going to get over that hump? And we just haven't seen it yet for the Bolts. Well, unfortunately, everybody in the AFC West is playing for a wild card. And look, we're going to get to the point with this organization when that's not the case. That's not the case where everybody's going to say we're playing for the AFC West halfway through the season. No, Kansas City is, is a beast. And the Chargers would have been nice if the Chargers knocked them down a peg and the Raiders won mm-hmm. in Chicago, but the Raiders lost. The Chargers lose, Denver wins, and Kansas City looks to be running away with this division. Fortunately, the Raiders will have two tests coming up with Kansas City later on in the season. But, you know, for the Chargers to potentially be a 3-3 three and three team and now to be a 2-4 and four team, they play Chicago at home. We know how good Chicago looked. Uh, Denver should lose against Kansas City. And now the Raiders, the Raiders got to find a way to come up and step up and play well and win in Detroit. You know, it is wild, GT, as we sit here on the morning of October 25th, and, and you're 100% right, where it feels like the Chiefs have the, they're in the fast lane to winning this division again for what yeah. how many what year in a row is this? And and to your point now, though, you look at some of these teams that are bunched up, the Raiders in second at three and four, the Chargers two and four, you know, playing for that wild card with their eyes set on the wild card. And the way the NFL uh, formats the playoffs now, no one is really out of it, no. especially in late October. So the Raiders have an opportunity opportunity to get some wins, to get back on track. But this is the moment, right? This is the stretch where they have to do it. Yeah, they have to do it, Eddie. And again, I hate to be in that situation. Must win, must win. That's my radio side. That's not my TV podcast side. I like to be look at it one day at a time, one week at a time. But they got to win this game. And it's Detroit. 
And it's Monday Night Football, and I'm going to harken back to the history of this organization on Monday night. I'm going to harken back to Al Davis and what it meant for John Madden and Tom Flores and what it meant to Josh McDaniels. You know how many Monday night games Josh McDaniels won with the Patriots? They played every Monday or Sunday night. He understands the gravity of this game. So for the Raiders to look ahead, Detroit Giants and the Jets before that road trip to Miami – and Miami's losing to everyone who's good and beating everybody who's bad. So we'll forget about that Miami game for a couple of weeks. But I'll look at the next three. That, that, those two home games, Raiders got to win those games, period. Not got to be in the game. They got to win against two teams that aren't going to be playoff bound. The Jets are showing some life at 3-3. Three and three, And the Giants should have Daniel Jones back. And their defense is pretty good. But one at a time with Detroit. But the schedule... The Raiders still have a portion of these four games that they can win some of them. I mean, you and I were talking before we started rolling, where it, it's the beauty of what we do. It's what makes it fun and yeah. entertaining. We overreact to the wins. We overreact to the losses. If the Raiders win a game on Monday night, JT, we're going to be going into de- excuse me November at 500. Right for all the the ups and the downs and what are they doing well? What are they not doing well? You're gonna be sitting at four and four, right? And if you would have told us at the beginning of the season, oh, that, hey, four exactly, four. you'd have taken it in a heartbeat, right? I'll take it now in a heartbeat. So I think it's important to remember that you know we have to take this. The NFL is such a week by week by yeah. week league, so they have a huge opportunity, a huge challenge upcoming on Monday night. But we talk about Josh McDaniels and and some of his successes in primetime. You know who else loves playing in primetime is Devontae Adams. I mean, you look at some yeah, of those numbers. numbers this is a dude who loves playing whenever. Everyone's watching him. This is a massive test for this coaching staff and these players. What are they going to do? They got beat badly in Chicago. Detroit got beat worse at Baltimore. And both teams are coming in. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense that one team's more motivated than the other. Both of these teams will be equally motivated to play. The question is, can Josh McDaniels and the play calling keep the Raiders in the game? Keep the game manageable. Get to halftime, up three, down three. Make it a second-half game where Devontae could take over or Max can take over the game. And for Jared Goff, if he has a clean pocket, he was an MVP candidate two weeks ago. If the pocket is clean, he's going to have a big day. If Max and Tyree, who's shown up, and Malcolm Koontz, and maybe some blitzing can get Goff off his spot— I think there's going to be a couple of 50-50 balls that the Raiders can go get. You know, and I know I sound like a broken record, but you know it really helps on the road, but it really helps when you want to keep an explosive offense on the sidelines. Run the ball. Can this be the week, JT, where Josh Jacobs, those big fellas up front, can finally have that magic moment where they are consistent for 60 minutes? Because we've seen it for a series. We've seen it for a quarter. We have not seen a consistent run game for a full 60 minutes. And as of now, we're going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. As of now, things could change, but Jimmy G should go. And it's also time for Jimmy G to get going. All right? I am a big fan of Jimmy G. He is a great guy. The times we had to talk to him. Yeah, he's been great. Leader, fantastic human being. It's Jimmy time. He was brought in to win football games. That's what he does. He has a great regular season record throughout his career. It's time for Jimmy to put this team on his back and play at a high level. Not play average or below average. It's Jimmy time. If you believe the Raiders can turn the season around like I do, it's going to have to start with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back and playing to the best of his ability. I'm counting on him. Yeah, 100%. I'll administer that challenge to the entire offense as a whole, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, we look at, at the Devontes. We look at the offensive line. When we're coming into this season, we said, hey, we know what the Raiders' offense is going to be. Can the Raiders' defense keep up? Right? Well, now we need to see this offense, JT. We need to see north of 20 points. We need to see an offensive explosion. We need to see consistency for 60 minutes. And yes, 100% of that starts with Jimmy. Starts with the guy under center. But it has to be the entire collective out there. We need to see the depth. We need to see Jacoby and Hunter and the tight ends getting involved. We need to see a full 60-minute effort from that side of the football. Eddie, embrace the shootout. It's coming. Embrace it. That'll go in there. Ah. That'll go in there embracing the shootout. Let me, be, let me be an angry old man, JT. Let me run the ball. Let's run control it, the line of scrimmage. Run it, but I have a feeling you got to embrace the yeah. shootout, and hopefully the Raiders wake up on offense and get it going. Thanks for joining us this week. For Lincoln Kennedy, Eddie Pascal, I'm JT. We'll see you back next week on Raiders Roundtable.